1988. It is Christmas morning. Unlike most years, there are two Christmas trees in the house. One for either sibling, a three-year-old and a two-year-old. At their mother's urging, the siblings awaken. They remember that it's Christmas morning. The two children rush out to the living room. Grandma has come over. The younger sister goes to her tree, finding an assortment of neatly wrapped presents tucked underneath. The mother asks the three-year-old which tree is hers. She jokes that her sister's tree is hers, giving it a hug to be silly. She then heads to her own tree, which is set up in the formal dining room. Below it is a similar collection of gifts ready to be opened, but right next to it, unwrapped, is the biggest one of all. Naturally, the three-year-old goes for it. It is a large, square-shaped box, purple in color, with fun imagery on the front. The three-year-old is stunned. She has received the Kenner, the Real Ghostbusters, Proton Pack. Yes, the little girl is a big fan of the Real Ghostbusters, and despite the other gifts she received that year, including some Real Ghostbusters action figures, it is the Proton Pack that she is most excited about. After getting help unboxing the Proton Pack, the three-year-old hurriedly puts it on, along with the Neutrona Blaster, the PKE Meter, and the Armband. Endless play awaits the young girl, as well as a lifetime of Ghostbusters fandom and an endless love for great toys. Thirty years ago, that little girl was me. It's hard to believe that this very special Christmas morning was almost exactly 30 years ago to the day. Yet the memory of receiving the real Ghostbusters Proton Pack is still fresh in my mind. I can still picture it sitting in front of my tree, situated a little off to the right. That box may have been one of the most beautiful things I'd seen up to that point. It was our first Christmas in our new home, the home where my parents still live and which I relive those precious memories when I go back to visit. Heck, I'll bet the remnants of that Proton Pack are still there somewhere, along with whatever figures and Ecto-1 vehicles I once had from that toy line. Indeed, Christmas is perhaps the most exciting day for a young child. It is rivaled perhaps only by their birthday. New toys that will be enjoyed over the following year are received, and sweet memories that the whole family can cherish forever are made. Of all the Christmases growing up, the ones from ages 3 to 9 are the most memorable to me. The year after what I'll call the Ghostbusters Christmas of 1988, I had a Batman Christmas. In 1989, Tim Burton's Batman film was released. Toy Biz was making toys to coincide with the film. This was shortly before they lost the license to Kenner, who started putting out higher quality toys almost immediately afterwards. The one toy that stands out from that Christmas was the Batwing. It would go perfectly with the Toy Biz Batman my dad had bought me months earlier, which was my very first Batman action figure and which to this day I still have. I'm having a little trouble remembering 1990, but I know in 1991, Swamp Thing was popular. There was a cartoon series that most of Kenner's Swamp Thing toys were based on, which admittedly I didn't even know about until a few years ago. I always thought that the toys were based off the live-action TV series that was out at the same time and was airing on the USA Network. I was a fan, and that Christmas, I added some great Swamp Thing action figures to my collection. 
I've lost track of all of them, but a few years ago, I was able to buy them again on eBay. In 1992, when Batman Returns came along, I had another Batman Christmas. The figure I had wanted the most that year was Catwoman, and Santa Claus delivered. My aunts also gifted me Batman Returns figures. I fondly remember the Laser Blade Cycle, which I purchased once again a couple years ago and even did a review of on the channel. I also remember the Rocket Blast Batman figure, which had arms that would clip onto his cape. They'd swing open, and a little rocket pack you'd strap to his back would make noise. And then I remember a few oddball things. When I think of one of my grandmas, she actually gifted me the Nintendo Game Boy. Uh, this was when they first started coloring them, and they had different colors. Not the actual screen uh, with the games. That came later, but when they actually started coloring the consoles differently, rather than just plain silver, uh, I actually ended up getting uh, the green one from her. And uh, I was hugely in love with that for a very long time. And uh, that same grandma also got me the Batman, the animated series Batmobile. And uh, I assume that's still in my parents' house somewhere, along with most of these other toys and items. But perhaps the biggest Christmas, or at least the one that competed the most with the Ghostbusters Christmas, was the Jurassic Park Christmas of 1993. It's no secret that Jurassic Park is one of those films that really changed my life even if I didn't fully recognize it at the time. I had been really into dinosaurs for years before then, but when Kenner's Jurassic Park toys hit the market, they blew away any of the dinosaur toys that came before them. I had a ton of dinosaurs, but none of them looked like Jurassic Park dinosaurs. They certainly were immensely better than anything I'd had up to that point. I remember waking up Christmas morning to two Jurassic Park dinosaurs. One was the Stegosaurus and the other was the electronic screamer Dilophosaurus. My little brother made out even better than I did that year as he got the command compound. I was a little jealous. I mean, let's face it though, we both played with it for hours on end. He also got the Velociraptor hatchling, which to this day I think still stands the test of time. And he also got the screaming Velociraptor and maybe a couple other things that I can't recall at the moment. And then the following year, remember he got the demon Carnotaur, which again, Jealous. Um, but the best part was when Grandma came over. We had already opened all of our presents, but Grandma's presents were often some of the best. To my astonishment, bewilderment, and utter shock, she gifted both myself and my brother our own electronic Tyrannosaurus Rex. The classic Red Rex. It was the ultimate Jurassic Park toy on any kid's Christmas list that year. There truly was nothing like it. And to this day, my lovely Red Rexy stands proud on my shelf next to Stegosaurus. After that, the magic and luster of Christmas morning began to wear off a little bit. I was growing up, and although I was still immensely into toys, I also began gravitating towards music and electronics. From 1996 onward, any toys I received were typically Star Wars toys. But again, I was older, and I wasn't playing with the toys as much as keeping them on the shelf oftentimes leaving them in their package altogether. Like Jurassic Park, Star Wars also had a profound impact on my life. Once I began collecting those toys, I never looked back. To this day, Star Wars makes up the bulk of my collection, largely because it has run nonstop since the mid-1990s, and the wealth of product has been essentially immeasurable. Hey Victoria, this is Jurassic Dave 93 on Instagram and Twitter. 
Um, you asked about favorite um, holiday memories from childhood, and I would say first one that comes to mind for me, uh, as you know, I'm a big Jurassic Park fan, I think was Christmas 94, um, when the Jurassic Park Series 2 stuff came out. Actually wasn't Christmas morning, it was a family Christmas party, um, like a Pollyanna gift exchange, and I had gotten the um, Series 2 uh, Triceratops, I guess, which is not different at all from the first one, but uh, I mean... Uh, loved having that huge Triceratops, one of my favorite toys from a kid. And w when I got that at that party, just everything stopped. And the, the night was about that toy and that toy alone for me for the rest of that night and for a long time after playing with that. And second one um, that comes to mind will probably be the Christmas after that in 95. Um, I'm also a big uh, Star Wars fan. And I well, was able, my parents got me actually Christmas morning. I, I wake up and I get the... Uh, Power of the Force 2, the electronic uh, X-Wing fighter. And, oh man, I got so happy when I got that. I just uh, ran around the house shaking the box in the air like you see kids doing, you know, when they're so excited. And I love that thing and all those uh, Power of the Force 2 Star Wars figures. It was great. But, um, yeah, just uh, a lot of lot of good memories from, from back then in the, in the 90s when, when I was a kid. But, yeah, um, happy, happy holidays to you and everyone else listening, and thank you. Victoria, it's Tom here. Uh, some of your listeners might recognise my voice as Tom Jurassic from the Jurassic Park podcast. Uh, but interestingly enough, what I'm actually leaving this little message here for you for for Christmas is not to do with um, Jurassic collecting per se, but it's what came before Jurassic for me, which was Star Wars. So obviously you're a big fan of Star Wars yourself and I know a lot of your listeners to um, the aptly named Cantina Chatter podcast will also be Star Wars fans. So I think that a few of them will be able to relate to this. But um, growing up, being only 19 now, I grew up with the Clone Wars era, which was absolutely awesome, seeing uh, fan favourite characters like Commander Cody back on the big screen, Obi-Wan, Anakin, new characters like Ahsoka and Captain Rex was really, really cool. Um, and for me, I was lucky enough to have a childhood where my parents were really, really kind and generous and always kind of tried to get me the things I asked for, which was really, really good of them. I was really lucky as a child. Um, and so every Christmas, I really used to sort of look forward towards the big Star Wars toy of the year. So um, I am sure that you will remember these, Victoria, but I remember one Christmas getting the ATTE from the Clone Wars, the iconic six-legged walker that you first see at the Battle of Geonosis in Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. And I remember being absolutely overwhelmed by how awesome the toy was. And um, it had so much detail, so many opening compartments and other areas. A really, really cool clone gunner figure with it. And it was just altogether a really, really awesome and special toy. And um, following on from that, I believe that there was then the turbo tank, which was absolutely awesome. 
Uh, you had the really, really cool bark speeder, which shot out the bottom, the spaces for turrets on either side of the opening platforms, the elevating crow's nest, and everything else, which made for a really, really cool playset. Then a couple of others would include the absolutely incredible Legacy Millennium Falcon. I think still the largest uh, Millennium Falcon that Hasbro have ever made. Um... And then also the Slave One and Mace Windu Starfighter playset and the Republic Shuttle. Now that Republic Shuttle was the very last Clone Wars playset I believe I got before the articulation started to diminish and we kind of saw less of a focus on, on 3.75 inch scale action figures as we do today unfortunately. So that was kind of when my collecting there ceased. But I remember each year it would be really, really special seeing which new characters I'd get added. Uh, some of my favourites include Commander Pons. I remember when I got him, Commander Gree. Um, the 212 Trooper Battle Pack with Master Yoda. Uh, or Obi-Wan, I think it was Yoda. No, no, it was Obi-Wan because the Coruscant Guard pack in 2008 was with Yoda. Um, but getting all of these really, really cool characters and vehicles was always a very, very special part of Christmas for me. And it's something that will definitely stay with me as I grow up. I was very, very lucky as a child at Christmas. Um, Looking at them now, I still own a lot of the vehicles, the ATTE, I don't know where all the legs are, the turbo tank is up in my loft, the Millennium Falcon is on top of a wardrobe in my conservatory, and I'm not sure where some of the other bits and pieces have gone. I know unfortunately the ATTE especially, and a lot of my clones have yellowed quite a bit just because of the quality of the plastic and the paint that was used, sadly they've diminished over the years. but. Um, even in their current state, like a very, very yellow uh, Legacy Millennium Falcon, they still are absolutely beautiful toys with a lot of memory attached to them and a lot of special times which I'm really, really grateful I was able to have as a child. So that's kind of my little Christmas story about how Star Wars became the pinnacle of Christmas for me. I'm really, really excited to hear what other people in this episode have got to say. And I'd just like to take a second to thank you for giving me and everyone else who really enjoys the content you do the opportunity to contribute to this Christmas special. Uh, from my family to yours and all your listeners, I hope you have an absolutely fantastic Christmas really really wonderful holiday period in the year and I'm really excited to see what 2019 brings for us all. Take care Victoria, I'll chat to you soon. My favorite Christmas memory dates all the way back to 1993, uh, no surprise there because that's when I got a, a lot of my prominent Jurassic Park toys, um, specifically the Kenner Red Rex. Um, I also got the Triceratops uh, the big rubbery one, and I got uh, a bunch of other smaller figures and stuff like that. I got, uh, my, uh, my family was super generous this year, apparently. Um, I have a lot of footage of it, but I was getting those items. I got a pillow, I got the comforter set, um, and some other dinosaurs as well, just random uh, dinosaur toys. Uh, I don't remember which ones, but specifically that kind of Red Rex and, and, um, the Triceratops too. Those two have been uh, a focal point of my collection for the past 25 years now. Um, it's just crazy. And to think like 1993, that was when I opened them. And I have the footage. I have it there 
you know, in my phone now that I could go back and watch that at any point just to to know how special that moment was. Um, it, it's really cool. And to think that now, 25 years later, I have that opportunity to start opening up Jurassic Park toys with my kid and stuff like that. It's going to be it's going to be fun. And um, yeah, 1993 was definitely the best Christmas I could have asked for. And I, I just can't wait to look forward to all the ones in the future with more Jurassic toys and other toys, Star Wars, everything else uh, for me and my kid to open up stuff. It's always fun reminiscing about the past, especially when it involves our treasured childhood memories of Christmas morning's past. But 2018, in a way, was like a year-long Christmas, and this came primarily due to one particular toy line. In 2018, the collecting highlight of my year has been the Mattel Jurassic World toy line. I don't think that comes as a surprise. With Jurassic World, Mattel did something that hasn't been done in years and quite possibly may never be done again. They made a classic 1980s and 1990s style toy line. In the past decade, toys that aren't everlasting lines such as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Star Wars, or Barbie tend to have a very brief shelf life. The lines are very focused, totaling a couple of waves before the line is done with after a few months. Mattel is truly trying to make Jurassic their very own Star Wars, and given the universal love people of all ages have for dinosaurs, I think it's genuinely possible that this can go on for a long time. So long that they keep churning out quality products, and as long as the retailers continue to have faith in and support the line, this could easily become one of the greatest toy lines of all time. And perhaps it's already entering that territory. Has it been a perfect line? No. No line is perfect, but I think most can agree that by and large, Mattel has far more hits than they do misses. And I'm very eagerly anticipating what's to come in 2019. I'm also very thankful to them for their level of engagement with the fans. I've tried for a long time to get people from Hasbro on the show. I've tried to get people from Kenner on the show. But without hesitation, Brit Schatz from Mattel eagerly was willing to talk Jurassic Toys with me. Not to mention the amazing products they've provided to the channel, such as the Dino Rivals promotional package that most recently turned up on my doorstep just yesterday. I'm blown away by the level of artistry and engineering that went into creating this amazing box. If you follow me on Instagram, uh, you may have seen my Instagram live story in which I unboxed it. I'll also be sharing a detailed video of it on YouTube in the coming days, so stay tuned for that. A huge thanks once again to Mattel, not only for their generosity, but also for helping to make 2018 such a memorable year for toy collecting. 2018 was also a great year for Star Wars The Black Series. After five years on the market, the line finally became what it needed to be. Hasbro introduced their photoreal paint technique, which immensely enhances the realism and likeness of their action figures. They also improved the general quality of their plastics, as well as enhanced their articulation systems to an extent. With figures like Island Journey Ray, Captain Rex, Grand Moff Tarkin, Beckett, Val, and Skifgar Lando being introduced this year, just to highlight a few, all of whom look spectacular with photoreal, I'm excited for what Hasbro has in store for 2019. The vintage collection has also returned, although it has been quite lackluster in the eyes of most collectors. This, of course, is due primarily to the heavy concentration of repackaged figures from the past couple of years. 
But Hasbro also introduced the Back the Barge campaign, which was a really big deal. After all, it is the biggest, most detailed, and most expensive Hasbro Star Wars collectible ever produced. And after looking like the crowdfunding campaign was going to fail, it passed at the last minute. So the barge will certainly be a big part of 2019, and I'm very excited to get mine and experience it for myself. Other notable toy lines include Hasbro's Marvel Legends, which first began utilizing Photoreal in 2017, just before Star Wars. I went almost the entire year without buying Marvel Legends, not because I didn't like them or not because I didn't want them, because I did, but because there was too much money to be spent on Jurassic World. And if you listen to the last episode of Cantina Chatter, How to Be a Toy Collector with Dan Larson and Adam Paulus, you just can't have everything. It can be tempting, but ultimately, most people just don't have the money or the space to have everything. But thanks to the Cyber Monday and holiday sales retailers have been running on Marvel Legends, especially the first 10 years line of figures, I managed to catch up on most of the figures I'd missed out on. And a good thing, too, as I ended up saving a ton of money by doing so. Medicom Mayfax released several more figures in their The Dark Knight trilogy line, which I'm still getting myself cut up on and Bandai Tamashii Nation's SH Figure Arts released a few new Star Wars figures. They finally rounded out the last few figures from A New Hope, with Princess Leia Organa having just been released in recent days. I'll be watching these lines with great interest next year, and hopefully I'll be able to get myself caught up on both of them. I added a few hot toys to the collection, uh, which I've been finding myself getting more into as time is drawing on. For a long time I avoided hot toys like The Plague just because of their price range. For the price of one Hot Toys figure, I could get 10 $20 Black Series figures or quite a few dinosaur figurines uh, from Rebor or Papo or now Mattel Jurassic World. But uh, there's something really stunning about them, the realism, the artistry that goes into creating them. And this year I added Rey, uh, Jedi Knight, Luke Skywalker, and Yoda to my collection. Um, with uh, my husband being so awesome and buying me Kylo Ren from The Last Jedi for Christmas, uh, which I should be receiving uh, shortly after the holidays. So I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, one of the most exciting things happening right now is Diamond Selects, the real Ghostbusters figures. I only recently got into Diamond Selects Ghostbusters line after having skipped it in the past in favor of Mattel's classic Ghostbusters figures. But their introduction of the real Ghostbusters sucked me right in. After all, these figures are based off the classic TV series I loved 30 years ago, back in 1988. So it's almost come full circle 30 years later, and they're must-buys for me. Absolutely must-buys. Expect an episode of Cantina Chatter on the Kenner and Diamond Select the Real Ghostbusters lines in early 2019. So before I end this episode, I'd like to express my gratitude. Firstly, thank you to my YouTube audience. In 2018, the channel basically doubled in size. As we close in on 20,000 subscribers, I just have to say thank you. We gained 4 million views this past year. I mean, that's that's a lot. <laughs> so thank you to those who have ever watched a Victoria's Cantina video or listened to a Cantina Chatter podcast episode. To those who have left reviews on Apple Podcasts or rated on Google Play, your support means a lot. To everyone who follows on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, thank you. I have a lot of fun with the social media accounts, and I've come to know many of you much more closely through them. I honestly think the content we put out is better than it's ever been, and I hope it continues to get better. This year, I got to do a lot of cool things through the channel. 
Although I wasn't able to make it, Hasbro invited me to New York Toy Fair. That would have been a dream come true to go to, um, so hopefully they'll invite me again in the future when it's a little more convenient for me to travel there. The Jurassic Park 25th anniversary celebration at Universal Studios Hollywood was a highlight. I had a blast covering the event and catching up with old friends, as well as meeting new ones for the first time. I got to hit up the Hasbro breakfast at San Diego Comic Con, which was a blast, and enabled me to chat with some of my fellow YouTube toy reviewers. I got to hang out with Angela Staines, who of course portrayed one of the Tonica sisters in the original Star Wars, and after having appeared on the podcast last year, has become a friend. And a lot of things happened outside the show in my personal life, including vacationing in New Zealand with my husband, uh, in which I got to hang out with uh, Sam Moore, Raptor Queen 89, who is a tremendously talented artist. We also got to spend a fun weekend up in LA seeing John Williams at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, We visited Disneyland a couple of times, and we traveled to Texas for Thanksgiving to visit my family. I also started Discoveryland, which is my Disneyland history passion project. If you enjoy Disneyland history, please check it out. We're nine episodes in, with one more coming next week to cap off season one. It's available through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Pinecast, and YouTube. Secondly, to those who have been kind enough to become Patreon Cantina patrons, an especially big thank you to you. In particular, Hannah, David, Greg, Jason, Mark, Taylor, and Zach. Thank you so much for becoming patrons, as well as to those who are patrons in the past. And finally, in these little social media circles that we use to celebrate our fandoms and connect with others, I've come to know many people whom I consider friends. Some of you have really touched my life, and I'm all the better for it. I'd like to run through a few names and shout out a few people. Now, this isn't a comprehensive list, and it's not in any particular order, but I'd be remiss if I didn't at least mention them. They have helped to brighten my time online by being standout, positive role models for the Jurassic and Star Wars communities, and I feel that they're deserving of a special nod of appreciation. Jamie Stangroom, Adam Paulus, Jay Cochran, Ted Brothers, Dan O, Angela Staines, Britt Schatz, Greg Stone, Tom Fishenden, Stephen Ray Morris, Sam Moore, Hannah C, Steve Evans, Brad Jost. I appreciate your positivity, your optimism, your support, your influence, and your passion. Let's keep that passion and those positive vibes going in 2019. That'll do it for this episode of the Cantina Chatter Podcast. Once again, I'd like to thank everyone who has helped the podcast grow over the past year. The show will turn three years old in 2019, and I feel like it's just getting started. A special thanks to those who sent in audio of their Christmas memories. If you are listening via Apple Podcasts or Google Play, be sure to rate and review the show. Your reviews help to increase the show's visibility. For the latest updates, be sure to follow Victoria's Cantina on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. As always, thank you for tuning in to the Cantina Chatter Podcast. I'll catch you in 2019.